0: Hey, I think as we begin this morning, we need to have a, maybe a moment of silent prayer for those drums, because Aaron can beat those things, can't he? Wow, that was, that was good stuff. Wasn't that good stuff? That was great. Good singing, good worship. Hey, was that you? Who, who, um, who broke a drum a couple years ago? That was you. Okay. <laughs> So this is not only silent prayer, this is confession right here for him. <laughs> hey, that is good stuff. Man, I'm so thankful for our worship team, thankful for all the work that they put in. You know, besides all that, um, uh, hey, welcome to you who are online. I don't want to forget about you folks. It's so good to have you. Um, I want to include you in on this because this is so neat about our church family. I just, I just want to take a second and brag You know, we had a funeral here yesterday for the Backey family. Some of you were here for it. Some of you saw it online. And more than two hours before that thing began, we had such a group here that was already shoveling through this this storm, plowing, setting up, um, getting ready to greet and care for people, and then even this morning, you know, before anyone comes, there's, there's people plowing and shoveling and salting. And um, I just love, I, I love seeing love happen in physical displays. I just absolutely love it. So thank you, folks, for your great work in doing that. Speaking of love happening, um, our dressers are here. Did you see them? I am, and for you people who are on the I'm, I'm sorry, if you're on the worship set doing the slides, I'm way out of order here. Um, but our dressers are here, and we're just so grateful that we have the opportunity to love on single moms in our community. So here's what we need to do. Um, I need you to sign them. I need you to sign them. I need you to prayerfully consider maybe what you could write on the back of those dressers. So if you go out here, either of these exits... I'm not sure. These ones. Um, you'll see the dressers there. They're flipped backwards. So that way the back faces out. There are markers there for you to use. And um, we just want you with your heart to put something on there, knowing a single mom. And eventually uh, her child is going to read these. And this is a way that we can share God's love with these folks. So would you um, take a moment, sign those, maybe put a Bible verse on there, uh, maybe a word of personal testimony. You've seen all kinds of special things put on there it's in years past. Let's fill it all up. And we have the next few weeks to do that. So please do that. On the hub out here, uh, this booth that's right out here also is a uh, shopping list of items for the, for the dressers. So now it's our time to shop to be able to fill up those dressers. We have a lot of diapers and wipes coming in, some outfits and binkies and all those kinds of things. So um, Let's go ahead and take care of those folks. Now, let me see if I can get back on order, Kathy. Uh, yeah, connection cards. Thank you. Hey, let's take a second and fill those cards out. So um, if you're in the house, right in front of you in the seat is a connection card. Could we just do this for a minute? That way we know that you're here. And if there's a prayer item, we can understand that from you. So uh, would you take that connection card, just fill it out and As you leave, there are giving boxes in the foyer. Just put those in there. If you're online, there are links for the connection card. And if you would, just fill out uh, that link and any special information for us and then click Submit. And that would be a help for us. Another item that we show love by is our manuals child. Uh, It's a special star that we can purchase for our Christmas tree out there. Basically what this does all the money that comes in from that goes to our missionaries to buy Christmas gifts for kids. It's, it's a direct evangelistic tool, and we're, we're happy to be able to partner with them. We are looking at a, um, some very minor constitutional adjustments. An email went out about this. We mentioned it last week. Those adjustments are out on the hub if you want to read them. Uh, We'll be voting on them in two weeks after the morning service, um, so do understand that. And I think that's about all I have by way of that, so let's get into things. Would you take your copy of the scriptures and turn to John 13? John 13, we're going to talk about, besides the cross, probably the most vivid display of Jesus' service. It is humbling, it is attention-grabbing, and it is modeling exactly what he would want for us to do. And it also is counter-cultural. Now, back in the summer of 86, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. And hundreds of passengers died as they were thrown into the icy waters. And news of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed that the cause of the accident was not a technology problem. It had nothing to do with intense fog. The whole thing came down to human pride Because each captain was fully aware of the other ship's presence and each captain could have steered clear of the other according to news reports, but however, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. They were too proud. They wanted the other one to move first and they delayed until it was too late and then the collision came. And you know, that is... The culture that we experience, that is the culture that we live in. It is tough to give in. It is tough to yield. It is tough to be under. And let's just be truthful about this. Sometimes it is really tough to serve. And that's not just, you know, for today, and that's not just for our culture. It was also back in Jesus' day. So let me, before we get into John 13, let me show you a couple passages where this was vivid for us. Um, In fact, one of them was in Matthew chapter 20. Let me show you these passages just quickly. This was an account where James and John's mom came to Jesus to ask a special favor. Now, I couldn't think of anything more humiliating than if my mom came to my boss asking for a special favor. You know what I'm talking about? Like how embarrassing, you know. Mommy, you know, would you ask my boss for a raise? I mean, that would just be terrible. But here, here their mom came to Jesus and says, hey, I have a special favor. Jesus says, what is it? And she says, grant that these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in the kingdom. And then then Jesus says, well, you don't know what you're asking. And then he says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Oh, oh, we can, you know, they said. And Jesus said to them, well, you will indeed drink from the cup. It's going to happen. But to sit in my right hand and left hand, you know, that's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father, and then here Jesus exposes the reality not just of James and John, not just of their mother, but notice, notice the next group of people who had trouble taking a back seat. When the ten heard about this, so here's the other ten disciples, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant. So now you're having the whole room in an uproar Because none of them want to take a back seat. All of them want to be ruling and up front in the kingdom. And then Jesus schools them and he says, okay, not only is it the mom, not only is it the brothers, not only is it the other ten, he says, you know what? You folks are just like the rulers of the Gentiles who lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them, and it shouldn't be this way with you. Instead, and what an what a education. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then he says, look, look right here. Look at the son of man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, what? A crazy education in taking a back seat to lead. The leadership of service. It is countercultural, folks, to our day. It is countercultural to their day, and they all expose it. Here's another situation uh, from another passage that explains the same exact situation that they were in from Mark 9. And here the disciples were all. In route to capernaum and when he was in the house as jesus he asked them because they were arguing "What, what were you arguing about on the road but but they kept quiet and they kept quiet because they were arguing about can you believe it who would be the greatest and then sitting down jesus called the 12 to him and said you know what if anyone wants to be first he must be the last the servant And then he took a little child, and he placed him among them. And taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. I mean, what crazy, countercultural, impactful words of Jesus. Things that smack in the face of our, I want to be out ahead, I want to climb the ladder, I want to be on top. You know, for their day, for their culture, for their leadership structure, if you were to be somebody, you were to be over people. They expected the Messiah that would come would be a king. He would rule a kingdom. He would assert authority over everyone else And here's the truth, that is going to happen. So I I just want to be open with you. Like one day, because I read the end of this book here, one day he is coming, he is ruling, everyone will bow. The Bible says plainly, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You with me on this? So we're we're together on this. He is coming as king. When he came the first time, man he flipped the script and here's one of the best passages that reveal that in Philippians chapter 4 because Paul explains about Jesus he says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What a statement. Beyond this, just think of Jesus' life. He healed the lame, he touched the leper, he healed the blind. He raised the dead, he fed people, he taught people, he forgave people, he rescued people, he loved on people, and he even gave his life for people. I mean, the king, the king of the universe, the ruler, ended up coming and serving like no one else ever did. So there's no big secret that he came to this earth to serve and I'm here to tell you this morning, in John 13, there is no greater picture apart from the cross of the limitless service of Jesus than John 13, 1 through 17. <clears throat> and here's what he did. He washed feet. He washed people's feet. So let's look at it really quick. I'm going to read for you the first five verses of John 13. Would you follow along in your copy of the scriptures? If you're online, grab your Bible or pull up your iPad or whatever it may be. Let's look at this together. And you're going to see some of the context that goes into this. So here it was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father So um, we just kind of read that in 10 seconds. Here's the gravity of it, folks. Jesus knew he was about to die. This is the context of his service. He was about to be tortured and die, and the Passover was a whole picture of of this event for his life that was going to become, he would be the Passover lamb. He would be the one that would give his life for the forgiveness of others and then having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. <clears throat> and here's another vivid thing that was the background of his service. Is, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So another thing, Jesus knew he was gonna die. He knew he'd be the Passover lamb and then <clears throat> he also knew That one of his 12, Judas, had already been prompted by the devil to betray him. And so among the people in his group, one was the betrayer who was handing him over at that point. And then notice Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. So nothing was being withheld from Jesus at that point. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He had known all of this. So if this is you and if this is me, if you know that your time has come, that you're going to die, that someone in your group was betraying you and turning you over, I mean, what would be your next action? What would be the, the thing that you would do for others and here the text says something that just blows us away. So verse 4, so he got up from the meal, <clears throat> took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I'm not sure if this connects with you. I'm not a big foot person. Unless they're my cute little baby's feet in the bathtub, I can handle that, folks. And what we're seeing here is a, is a picture that was born out of more ancient hospitality. And so here's how it worked out. When people in that day walked around, obviously different than us, when we walk into a home now, some of us have a little sign there, please take your shoes off. Because your shoes have made contact with dirt, and we don't want you to bring dirt into the house. In that day, their shoes were sandals. And so we can't tell them, please take your feet off. You know, that would be a little bit difficult to do. So what, we, what they did back in that day, <clears throat> there were two options. Everyone had to wash their feet. Two options. Most homeowners would leave a basin there, and it was self-service. Wash your own feet. Come on in, wash your own feet, and then you can enter. Or if they were well-to-do, they had servants, and, and the... Um, A servant would wash your feet, but it wasn't just a servant. It typically was the least of the servants. It was the low man on the totem pole. It was the the short straw guy that ended up doing it because it was the messiest, smelliest, worst job relegated to a servant in that day. And they would come out and do it. And here's how this thing worked. peers didn't wash each other's feet. You and I would not wash each other's feet. The disciples did not wash each other's feet. So in my looking up on this, I came across a number of pictures of what some think this looked like. Some people showed Jesus still with his big robe on and the disciples all around, and he had a basin and he was pouring water over over their feet. Can I just tell you that was not the case? I also looked up, um, and I'm not going to, I didn't want to show you this, but there's certain religious groups that practice this on special religious holidays. And The religious leader has on his full religious garb. People are on elevated chairs, so that way he doesn't have to lean over too far. There is a gold basin with a gold pitcher with water in it, and he leans over holding their foot and pours water over their foot. Can I tell you, that could not be farther From what happened right here can you see what Jesus did this is why this is such a base level of service you see verse 4 when he got up from the meal he took off his outer clothing and then he got water Jesus did everything with foot washing just like a servant did. And this is why you saw the disciples doing a whole look over at him like, what in the world is going on? Jesus' service as foot washing looked a little bit more like this. He had stripped himself of everything but his loincloth, folks. And foot washing was a very messy activity and a very dirty activity, which is why they took their clothing off, because they didn't want to get that all over their clothing And then Jesus would take the towel that was around his waist and use that to to dry the the cleaned-off feet of the disciples. And and here in this situation, you know it is such a dramatic act of service because if you just look down a little bit farther, Simon, in in verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And Peter just came right out and said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Like, the Lord does not wash my feet. You're the king. You're the Lord. You're the teacher. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter said, not just my feet, my hands, my head as well. I don't think there would ever be a greater act of service apart from the cross that Jesus Christ could have done that would have showed humility and service to his people. He, he was expected to come as a king. He was expected to come as a ruler. He was expected to come just like all the other Gentiles. And what he ended up doing is showing that he was willing to become the least, to become the greatest. I, I want to show you a main idea that really sticks out we look like jesus when we serve others we look like jesus when we serve others we look like the world when we demand service of others we look like jesus when we serve others and jesus gave three lessons on serving others that i want to give you and then i just want to show you what serving others looks like from the text and then we'll finish up here's what Here's what Jesus said about his serving others. When he got done washing the feet, he pulled the disciples in. He wanted them to understand what he had done. In verse 12, that's what he said. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? Now, notice the first lesson that Jesus gave his disciples on serving others is found in verse 13 and 14. He says, then you call me teacher, It's a position, an elevated position. He says, and you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And here's the first lesson Jesus says. You know what? You're right. I am in a position of authority, and I want you to know this. And here's the truth. If Jesus wasn't too high to serve others, neither are we. I mean, there's no one higher than him. And he has these positions and he says, you know what? If I'm in that spot and I'm serving, then certainly there's no reason why you can't be serving others. If Jesus wasn't too high to serve, neither are we. Here's another one that he gave in one of these lessons. In verses 15 and 16, he came out and he says, you know, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And so here he comes out and Jesus says, you know, serving isn't just courteous and it isn't just considerate, it's commanded. He says, I have left you an example. You should do as I have done. Service is a hallmark of Jesus Christ. It is God's opportunity for us to look like Jesus to our watching world. And it's not merely optional. It's a command. It's an imperative for the believer to show Christlikeness to others. And then here's a third lesson that Jesus gave. And I love this verse 17, how he states it. He says, now this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed If you do them. And I love this because Jesus comes right out and he says, man, service is not a burden. It is a blessing. True service is a blessing. And I've learned this when we hate service. When we struggle with service, it's because our focus is on self. When I struggle with service, it's because I'm thinking, man, this inconveniences me or I don't like this. Or I don't like how, how uh, I have to help this person that's a difficult person. It's all focused on me. But Jesus says, you know, true service, service that is thoughtless of self and thoughtful of others, that is the type of thing that genuinely is a blessing. Service that's others focused. And here's, here's the emphasis of Jesus Christ. This is the example of Jesus. We look like him when we have an other's focus, when we're not concerned about being ruler, but about being a servant. And that's the focus years ago that came out when the Salvation Army had a convention. And their founder, General William Booth, couldn't come because of physical issues. And he ended up sending his whole message by way of wire. For them to give at the convention. And here's the thing different than Brian Conover, his message was one word. And this was the word it was, it was others. That was the word, others. And in Jesus' act, in this one act the king the ruler the leader says it's not about us it is about others now remaining couple minutes what does Christ like service look like what does this specific kind of service, Jesus-like service looked like. I'm going to give you four things right here from the text. We started right out in verse 1. It's in spite of our circumstances. It's in spite of our circumstances. You remember the circumstance that Jesus was facing. Jesus knew that The hour had come for him to leave the world. He knew he was about to die. He knew he was giving up his life. He also knew that one of the people that were in there, Judas Iscariot, he had been betrayed by him. And so, you know, all of this is happening. And and despite his circumstances, he served. And the reality is for us, whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing, Jesus wants us to be of service for other people people not to be self-focused not to be preoccupied with our problems with our circumstances but rather to be thinking about other individuals one that can help me lose sight of my struggles and my challenges and rather to give a Christ like perspective of what it means to be others focused that's in spite of our circumstances here's another one it is evidence of genuine love Christ-like service, in spite of our circumstance, it's evidence of genuine love, and this is something I love. The end of verse one is just beast for realizing the true impact of service because it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And physical service communicates the full extent of our love. This is a big deal. Lip service does not communicate our love. Emojis. Do not communicate the full extent of our love. Hands-on. Physical acts. That communicates love. I've told you before, my grandma, in her hallway, back in her home, had this old, old craft that was up It's rectangular in nature, and I remember at the top, it said, love is an action verb, and it's something that I'll never forget. And service is action, and it communicates the extent of our love. Before we jump into the next one, I just want to tell you something that's been on my heart. that I think personally I've slipped on and I would like to improve on. And that is um, when we entered this COVID thing, I think our church was beast with an outward focus for community. Um, Remember the 100% tip on Tuesday? Remember that? If you're a waitress, you probably remember that. And, and we were blowing it out with that and, and early on with our helping hand fund and giving to that and looking for people with needs. And you know, as COVID went along and as ministry got busy, I'm, I'm just... My outward focus i just be truthful, has, has become more inward focused. I'm thinking about the mechanism of church and, and the programming of church and how do I keep things going along and forgetting about the outward focus of people. But there's one thing that I went through with this message that God showed me and even helped teach me through a phone call with a dear friend from church is Um, service is action and it's others and it's evidence of true love. Christ likes service. It's in spite of our circumstance. it's evidence of true love. You're not going to like the next one. But none of you are leaving, so here it comes. It's indiscriminate. It's indiscriminate. Okay, so let's do the math. 12 disciples. Two feet each. That makes how many feet? Okay, 24, so you're with me. Out of the 24 feet that Jesus washed, there's four feet I wouldn't want to wash. I'm just being open with you. If I were Jesus... Probably the first set of feet would be Peter. As I said, let me wash your feet. And Peter's like, no, you're not gonna wash my feet. And then, you know, what you learn in administration. Okay, bye, next. You know, why am I gonna bother with him? You know, Peter's the one that he invented, ready, fire, aim, you know, He just said stuff and then thought later, you know, why do I want to bother with this guy? Why do I want to be patient? Why do I want to explain myself? Peter. Guess who the other set of feet belonged to that I wouldn't want to wash? Huh? Judas. And here's Jesus, folks. Are you with me on this? Here's Jesus who knows Peter just has it in his, or Judas has it in his heart to betray him. And Jesus strips down to his loincloth and gets down on his hands and knees and takes the dirty, stinky feet of Judas Iscariot and cleans them just as good as he did James, as he did John, as he did Peter, and all of the others. And folks, that is a kind of service that I have no idea what that's like. The love your enemies kind of service. Because I even know in my head sometimes I'm like, well, not them, you know. Someone else can serve them, or you know what, I've had it with those folks, or you know what they've done to me? You realize what they've done? Jesus didn't single out favorites. And I just think for myself, are there those that I would overlook or rather not help or don't want to be patient with or i know they've wronged me or i feel too good to humble myself to help them and this is just the indiscriminate service of jesus christ it's just phenomenal it's a christ-like service is in spite of our circumstances it's evidence of genuine love it's indiscriminate and then Lastly, it is willing to do anything, anything. I mean, it doesn't get more humbling than dropping the robe, filling the water, scrubbing the feet, drying the feet. And Jesus proved behind closed doors, and this is the other thing, this was not for a photo op, folks. When no one else would see him behind closed doors, he proved that there's nothing he wouldn't do to serve. And then it was only billboarded when he clung to a cross to die for our sin and for our wrong. The death of Jesus only proved this more. And the Bible says greater love is no one than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. Now, that's service. And God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's service. Can I just ask us, um, before we go, what what are the limitations we have on our service? What are the limitations we'll have... on the one that will serve. You know, I'll serve as long as I don't have to fill in the blank. long as I don't have to do toilets, adult diapers, travel long distances, work too late, Work with that person. And Jesus was willing to do anything, even to the point of the cross. And that's love, folks. Amen? That's unconditional love. That's the gospel in human form thinking of our betterment and giving his life for us. So I want to give us some places to start serving. You ready? Here's some places to start serving. And you're probably thinking, okay, the first one's going to be church. No. Home. Start serving at home. Uh, You have a spouse to serve, maybe. Kids to serve. Parents to serve. I hear some parents thinking, "Amen, amen on that one." Serve at home. That's a place to start. Serve your neighbor. Think about that. It's a way to, a way to be Jesus to your neighbor. Serve your neighbor with their needs. Serve your coworker, your schoolmate even if they're not accepted or they're not on the inn, think about them. Serve a stranger. <clears throat> even if you'll get nothing in return. Serve an enemy. And then if you're really brave, I mean really brave, then you can serve in children's ministry. Or the nursery. But let's remember, we're a servant, not a boss. If we're like Jesus, we lead by serving. We search for those to serve. We take whomever God gives us and we we experience joy when we do it. Would you stand with me? I want you to think in your heart two things. Number one, thank you Jesus for serving me at the cross. Thank you Jesus for serving me at the cross. Would you think that? Would you embrace it? Would you share that with God right now? God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for serving me in a way that I could not serve myself. Then number two, I want you to think. God, help me be like Jesus. Not to be out for my position. Not to be out to be numero uno. Top dog. God, help me to be lead by serving indiscriminately, whatever it may be. Father, where would we be without Jesus, (laughs) without the cross, and without his example for us to follow? Continue to work in our lives for us to be countercultural. To love like him, to serve like him. And especially in these days when he showed us the greatest service of all by humbling himself to become like us, to take the cross for us. God, thank you. And together we pray, amen. Amen.